Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm Dave Shear, your host. Today, I'm interviewing Troy Van Dyke. Troy is on the board for Refuge Ministries. Troy is on the board for Refuge Freedom Stories. Troy has done fundraising for how long, Troy? Uh, about 14 years. About 14 years for Refuge Ministries. For refuge. I believe, Troy, you've done some visitation at the jails. Yeah, the jails and yeah. uh, the youth jails. And, and the youth uh, jails. And spent some time at Teen Challenge as well, uh, talking to the men there. That's awesome. This is my first time meeting Troy in person, although <laughs> I've heard his voice many times because he does a lot of the uh, announcements and stuff on Refuge Freedom Stories radio show and podcast as well. So today I, I get the honor of interviewing him. And uh, so Troy, what was your life like in the old days before you became a Christian? I was raised in uh, a good family. There was no uh, there was no violence. I went to school, I went to university, and I became a, an executive for an insurance company as soon as I finished university. And I started doing more public speaking and just became kind of known across the country as, uh, as a specialist in, in life insurance and estate planning. I had a beautiful wife, four great kids, and it was almost acceptable in those days to maybe cheat on your wife, mm-hmm. do some drugs, and obviously drink a lot because yep. that was the environment you know we were in. I had a nice boat in uh, Turkey Point oh, and nice. just you know Harley, you know the whole nine yards. And again, everything seemed really, you know, acceptable to, to people I worked with. The, the industry. People in the industry, yes, and the especially community. executives and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, then I actually, I retired from the life insurance industry and I started another company that was more involved with money management. Yes. And it turned out to be a very big company in 2004 and 2005. It, it ended up getting closed down by okay. the Ontario Securities Commission. I'm sad to say that some investors lost a little over $3 million. Okay, yeah. So it was shut down, and, and I felt like my life was over. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I couldn't go back to the insurance industry. I was separated from my wife. Things just weren't going well at all, to say yes. the least. Yeah. Uh, that, was a, that would be a, a hard adjustment at the time, eh? It, it, yeah. it, it sure was. I lived in the house that I that I own until the bank took it away. Yes. Yep. And then I lived with my parents for a bit. And then I tried out. I lived with a cousin. And, and then I found myself living in a hotel. And not an elaborate hotel, no. but with room service. <laughs> I mean, like a $29.99 a month. Yes. Or a night. night yep. <laughs> a hotel room. Yeah. And things got, things got very bad. Mm-hmm. And on March 26th, the day I remember, 2006, I woke up in this hotel. I won't give you the name of the hotel because they'd probably get upset with me if I gave them the yeah. name. But I woke up and there was uh, remnants of drugs on the on the table and yes. and bottles of alcohol empty. And, and, and that's the day I, I woke up and I was intent on taking my life. Okay. And I don't know why I didn't just end it right that morning, but I thought... Yeah, I came up with a couple of good plans. They're bizarre plans, yes, but yeah. I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll try reaching out to some people and made some phone calls and, and that didn't really work. I then went and visited an old friend and he was actually in the investment business with me 
And we actually started a mutual fund together, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. And his office was only, I don't know, about three or four minutes from where I was at the hotel. Yes. So I, and I hadn't talked to him in a while, and I thought, ah, I'll, I'll go visit him. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name is Dino, and I know he wouldn't mind if I, I said his name on the radio. Big financial planner. Yes. Like high-end, all across mm-hmm. North America. When I went to see him, actually, he was with some of the shareholders of Wendy's. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so he's a pretty big deal. Yes. And I came in, and I looked pretty bad. The receptionist almost called the police on me. Oh, boy. And I asked to see Dino, and she gave me the name, and she was hesitant, but she went and interrupted him in the meeting. And he actually excused himself from the meeting, asked his, uh, his clients to go in another room, Mm-hmm. And then he says, okay, what's going on with you, Troy? you got five minutes. Yeah. And so ah, I did this and did this and drugs and this. And I, and I yeah. he goes, okay, slow down. <laughs> and I said, hey, you know, I, I really need a job and I need some money and I'm living at the hotel and all that. And he just kept on shaking his head like, mm-hmm. I got, geez, he's just going to be disgusted with me and, and kick me out. And he said, you don't need any of that stuff, Troy. You need Jesus. Wow. And I'm going, what? <laughs> no, dude, I need a job. I need some yeah. money. Uh, I didn't even know this man was a Christian or right. anything to do with going to church or anything. And he said, no, you need, you need Jesus in your life. Yes. And he told me about the story when he uh, started a relationship with Jesus about 14 years before that. His life, even though he was an executive and making all kinds of money, his life just turned upside down. So he kind of told me a little story. And then he said, okay, I, I did go on. So here's... Uh, Here's 40 bucks. You can spend another night at that hotel, or you can go to the Upper Room Bookstore and buy yourself a Bible and just start reading it because you got nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, and when you're going back, you might want to go an extra couple blocks. There's uh, a church. It's fairly new. It's called New Hope. New Hope. And he said, right now, you need all the new hope you can get. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he said, the pastor there, I know him. I don't go to church there. But uh, his name is Greg, Greg Whiten, and I went fishing with him last summer. He's a good guy, yep. about the same age as us. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you stop and talk to him? And I remember being so upset and so disappointed that he didn't give me a job or some money right. or something like that. More than 40 bucks anyways. Yep. And I, I went there, and I did go buy that Bible at the Upper Room Bookstore. Mm-hmm. And I made my way to uh, New Hope Church in, in Lambeth there, and asked the receptionist that time, Ruth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember it was like it was yesterday, actually. Yeah. And she was going to help you. I said, well, yeah, my name is Troy, and this is the worst day of my life. And she said, come on in. <laughs> and Greg just, he said, come on, come on into his office and made me to tell him the whole story. And we spent four hours together wow. that afternoon. He led me to the Lord. Mm. And he said, wow. why don't you come to church this Sunday? Yeah. And I said, oh, Okay. And he said, come to later service, because you look, look like you could use a little bit of sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it wasn't a church. I, I uh, went to a traditional Catholic church mm-hmm. growing up, so I'd never, I'd never encountered a church like this before. And, and I, I kind of tried to sneak out right after the service. And some people came up to me, and they said, ah, you know what? Hey, you that Troy guy? Well, my name's Bob. I used to own Bertie Bob Strip Joint in, in St. Thomas, and I became a strip joint. Hey, if you need a, dry, a job landscaping or whatnot, I'm your guy. Anyways, <laughs> I'm kind of rambling now. So that's where it kind of started. Mm-hmm. And I came to the Lord. I joined a, 
a Christian motorcycle group or ministry, mm-hmm. and my life just changed. What did it look like when you say you came to the Lord? What did that look like for somebody who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about? Well, well, some people say that it's a it's a process, right? But but it wasn't for me. Okay. It was like an instant, wow, wow, and it was like he seemed to know exactly where I was. Yes, I don't mean God. I mean Dave, and yeah. when he explained it, and. He didn't rehearse with me a prayer. He just said, okay, tell God what you want in your own in your own heart. Yeah. And it just kind of, and wow. I just, thinking back, uh, I was just saved by grace that day. So you spoke to God, and you felt like God heard you. Yeah, and everything was, yeah. you know, you know, just, just lifted off my shoulders, and then... And then the whole church thing that Sunday just blew me right away. Wow. So, so that was a positive experience for you. That's right. Yeah. So. That's awesome. So what was it like for you from that point on? Things went fantastic. Again, I, I joined this uh, motorcycle ministry, and then I was asked to actually uh, give my testimony at Teen Challenge Farm. Mm-hmm. And then later on, a, a, a Christian concert uh, called A Joyful Noise. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met Alan Campbell from Refuge. Wow. And our... Yeah. Our relationship seemed to flourish from there. Uh, I got into business uh, in the HVAC business, heating and cooling business, and uh, I started volunteering with with Alan. And we used to go the second Sunday of every month to uh, Blue Water Detention Center together and talk to the youth up there. And everything just just went really well in Mm -hmm. my life. Business stayed good. Just, Just everything went fantastic. So you have no complaints? No. <laughs> and I had a great testimony. Yes. But I wasn't good enough for God. Mm, okay. And in late 2011, despite what they had told me about what had happened back in 2004, 2005, I was charged. Mm-hmm. And in November of uh, 2011, I pled guilty and received a three-year penitentiary Bit. sentence. sentence yeah. Yeah. And I had to start it on February 14th. Of mm-hmm. 2012, so I, I had a couple months to actually say goodbye, my goodbyes, to yes. think about things, and kind of yeah. wind down my business, and and that's what what happened. But to back up a little bit, a couple of months, Christmas Christmas Eve, that's the only time when I would see my at that time my ex wife. Yes, and I would see her at, at New Hope Church, mm-hmm. and she'd always come there on on Christmas Eve, and we've been separated for eight years, wow. never even spoke. And I just kind of saw that smile, and I actually emailed her a couple days later, and I said, I'm going to be going to prison. Can we get together, and I can give you a little bit of money for our daughter's uh, graduation coming up that spring and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so she reluctantly agreed to the meeting, and, and it started from there. And when I went to uh, prison on February the 14th of 2012, mm-hmm. that woman sent me a letter Every single day. Wow. A lot of people ask, hey, if you could turn back the hands of time, would you change things? And that prison bit, I wouldn't change because uh, I don't want to get too far ahead in my story, but yep. now we've been happily married again for seven years wow. <laughs> and together. So it's just Amazing. fantastic. So and I don't, I don't think it would have happened uh, if, uh, if, uh, if, if the prison thing didn't mm-hmm. happen. There's... It's interesting, isn't it? You know, like some of the things that we see as just horrendous, and and in some aspects they are, but God uses those things, yeah, to restore us, to develop us, and move us. Restore forward. relationships, yes. restore a lot of things. So what I thought was just devastating, having to go to prison, mm. ended up to be 
just a blessing. Now, a lot, a lot of people get upset when I say that, yes. especially that are in the prison system, mm-hmm. saying, you know, stop that. Stop saying that, Troy, that yeah. going to prison was a blessing. But I reconciled my marriage. Mm-hmm. When I got to prison, there was all these fellows that were kind of saying, okay, in secret, like, tell me a little bit more about this God thing. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Don't tell the other guys, yeah. okay? But yeah. I asked you. But mm-hmm. And so, you know, I started inviting guys to chapel and just... Mm-hmm. You know, it was almost like, like I said before, God wasn't happy with my testimony before. It was good, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't great. So he wanted to make it great, as he always does. So Fabulous. Yeah. So I I went and I received parole after one year. Mm -hmm. They didn't really want me back in London. So I went to Windsor. I met uh, Kevin Rogers from Nuke Song Church. Mm -hmm. I went to the halfway house down there. And our relationship just was kind of overwhelming. I couldn't believe the... uh, because they have an urban refuge, you know, church mm-hmm. down there and over on Drewlard. And I end up starting in a Bible college, you know, um, Global University out of Springfield, Missouri, and and went to Bible college. And things were good mm-hmm. for about eight months till my birthday. Okay. And I stayed past curfew on my uh, birthday. I was on a pass. Yep. So you had some conditions. I had some conditions. And because of my crime, and I tried to talk my way out of this uh, um, uh, lateness, mm-hmm. I uh, I was sent back to prison for ten months. Oh boy! And uh, that's a hard go. Yeah, my so my relationship with my wife was mm-hmm. kind of just it, it was it was hurt, and the kids were very upset. But I went back for ten months, and again, it was just a phenomenal 10 months mm-hmm. now i had courses uh the life of christ and the synoptic gospels mm-hmm. and uh uh new testament literature and, and whatnot so i had to i carried on yes in the course when i was in prison so i had to i had to have some uh, uh sessions with the other guys and they were recorded and they were and the, and the chaplain had to be there and mm-hmm. kind of send letters back to uh the university and whatnot so I just so they started asking me to speak every Friday afternoon uh, uh, when they got after chapel and and whatnot and so it just mm-hmm. it was a great experience. That's fantastic. Then I uh, got out of prison again and went back on parole. Yes, I was on full parole then in, in yes. Windsor, and so I could, so I could stay close to uh, the church. I actually lived in the old nursery room above the church at New Sog. Wow. So I got exposed to a lot yeah. of uh, uh, church in, events and uh, no, helping out. You didn't have to go to a halfway house. No. You got, no. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so, so I, I stayed uh, above New Song Church and, and made plans for February 14th yes. to, uh, to actually finish my sentence. Mm-hmm. And I came back to London right away. Yes. And my wife and I uh, rented an apartment and we started our life together. Wow. Fantastic! What a woman, yeah, and what a god, right? That's and right. what, what a, a great god. Like that, you know, it's just fantastic. Yeah, and and and, and uh, uh, you know, to kind of back up a little bit, when I was on parole, uh, Alan Campbell stayed in in close contact with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually called him pretty well every month when I was in prison, yes. and I I do owe him everything. When I was on parole down to in Windsor, and I kind of tried not to get choked up with this, but uh, mm-hmm. he actually t- took the bus down to come and see me. Wow. Uh, from London, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I get a little emotional when I think about well, yeah. that. Well, yeah. Because 
Yeah. And I got right back into the heating and cooling business. Yes. And things started to, to flourish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I became a grandparent. Awesome. <laughs> And, uh, and again, have... and right away, started to do some work with refuge ministries. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I wasn't allowed in the prisons, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. but kind of was on the sideline with with Alan and and doing you know doing some running around for him and, mm-hmm. and getting together with him. And, and if I ever went past a few weeks without contacting, he'd always call me. Are you okay, Troy? Yep. And whatnot. Some so, accountability. That's great. That's right. Mm-hmm. So when I was during the period of. Uh, just actually coming to the Lord. Oh, I should mention, all my children came to the Lord within seven months wow. of, uh, of me. When we attended some functions for uh, uh, the Craigwood Detention Center mm-hmm. and whatnot, they used to come out with me on the Wednesday uh, on the Wednesday evening just to play pool and stuff yeah. like that and to listen to some Christian music. Uh, and they all came to the Lord, and they connected me with what later became Courtney, I call her my daughter. Yes. I became her legal guardian, and uh, when she was 15 years old, and today uh, her uh, little boy Royce calls me Papa, and we uh, still have a great relationship uh, right up till today. Well, that's fantastic. You know, like uh, so many times, with I I remember graduating, going back to high school as an adult, yes. and when I graduated high school, my children, my two oldest children, both said, "No, I have to do it." <laughs> yeah. right? And so it's funny because the things we do, whether they're positive or negative, whether we like it or not, it's like a ripple effect, especially with our children. And and it not always the case, but the fact that your children came to the Lord after they see dad do it is one of those, almost like a scientific law that's that <laughs> praise the Lord for, right? <laughs> you got that right. So... Troy, if, if you were to leave a message with with somebody, maybe someone's listening, of something of like a favorite Bible verse or something that was impactful for you in your life, some sort of a message, what would you say? I have a tough time deciding, so I'm going to tell you both of them. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, one is Psalm 23. And so many people know Psalm 23 because they, they always say it at funerals yes. and, and whatnot to kind of make people you know, feel a little better uh, mm-hmm. about uh, the situation. But in Psalm 23, what a lot of people don't realize because they read over it so quick, and it says he actually makes you lie in green pastures. Okay. It doesn't say that, you know, he allows you to or suggests you to. He makes you lie down yes. in green pastures. And why that's so impactful on me is because that that's what jail meant to me. Mm. Okay. That he thought, okay, you're getting ahead of yourself here, Troy. <laughs> okay, yeah. you're you know you're not reading your Bible anymore. Your your life's gone. You're kind of getting away from mm-hmm. things too much. So time to lay in some green pastures. Yes. And I'm not going to say God sent me to jail, <laughs> but it right. was my time to you know kind of lie in, in green pastures mm-hmm. and take an accounting of my life again. Yeah, and almost start my life over again with God that yes. I started six years before that. And, and it, it tied up some loose ends that some, somewhere down the road, whether they're, whether they're legitimate or not, somewhere down the road that could have interrupted at another point in time. God's wisdom is far superior to ours, right? So that his timing for that, you know. Yeah, a, and then my other, uh, my favorite verse is uh, in, uh, in John 13, uh, when uh, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Okay. And it's almost, I almost can't think of, like, 
all the disciples kind of sitting at the end of their chair. Okay, okay, we got a new one. We better write this down. Yeah. And and it summarized everything what Jesus was all about, and that was love. And he said, love one another mm -hmm. the way I've loved you, which totally raises the bar. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and that's how they'll know you're my disciples, by the way you love. Yes, one another, and and I and when people have asked, okay, so how do you keep a track of these, uh, you know, these commandments and do this and what shouldn't you do? And I always say it's easy, just walk in love. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, prison is a is a is a tough place to be. Mm -hmm. I woke up every morning and I had the same prayer every morning, and it was pretty simple: it's, Lord, let me walk in love today. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So, yeah. Well, that's fantastic, Troy. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And it's and, good uh, to again keep on uh, keep on supporting Refuge Ministries and <laughs> Refuge Freedom Stories, and it's just fantastic. Uh, and everyone gets to hear your voice on every show, so keep your ears out to hear Troy do our announcements. That's great. One of the voices of Refuge Freedom Stories again, Troy Van Dyke. God bless you. And God thank, bless you, Dave. Thanks thank again. You so much.
I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. For more information about Youth Prison Ministry or to become a monthly supporter, visit www.refugeministriescanada.com. If you have been released or need addiction help, call us toll-free at 1-833-586-0523.